When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes where we look back at content from our earlier years, sometimes single stories, sometimes whole episodes. Keep in mind that years ago, people might have worded things differently than they would today. As always, the title of the whole series, Risk, is itself a content warning. This week, a story that Tao Madsen first shared on the show in May of 2016. Here is Tao Madsen with a story we call The One That Got Away. So my family and I were immigrants um, who moved from Vietnam to Seattle when I was about two years old. And before I get into the story, I just want to give you guys a little bit of a background on my parents who are basically the subjects of the story. So my mom and dad are both the oldest of their siblings. And a little bit about my dad. He was born to a mom who basically, for lack of better terms, slept around a lot and had kids from various different men. She was also a gambling addict um, and didn't really work a day in her life, though if you consider fortune-telling a job, then she had a job. Um, And she never really changed a diaper either because um, she grew up with rich parents who owned a company in Vietnam, and so they had maids or either that her parents change um, the diaper, her kids' diapers for her. So, um, but after the during the Vietnam War, my dad's family lost their company to the Viet Cong. So subsequently, um, he grew up very poor and had to kind of um, work most of his life to take care of his uh, younger siblings and his uh, his mom and basically did not have an education, so considerably illiterate because he didn't really know how to read or write. And my mom, on the other hand, actually um, went to up to high school but had to drop out because um, her mom... Uh, needed her to work full-time as well to take care of her five younger half-siblings. My mom had a very abusive stepdad, um, and her mom never really stepped in to really do anything about it. She kind of stepped back and just kind of watched everything happen. So the difference between my mom and dad was that she knew a little more English than he did because um, she took some classes in a refugee camp that we lived in in the Philippines before we came to the U.S. in preparation for the U.S., so... Six years later, I'm eight years old um, in the U.S., and my mom gets her first job. 
And this is pretty significant because um, my dad was pretty controlling and a, a jealous person, so um, he never allowed her to pursue a higher education or even a work for that matter for fear that she would find somebody else better than him and leave him. But um, around the time that they had their fourth child, which was my youngest brother, they decided that they needed the extra income. So my mom got a job on assembly line packaging seafood at a company in Seattle. So one Friday night, she was working her evening shift. And um, my siblings, my dad, and myself, per usual, were just kind of gathered around her living room watching um, kind of like poorly dubbed Hong Kong movies. And we just had this whole series that we just watched over and over again. And then the phone rang. So my dad paused the movie, answered the phone. As I observed, he really didn't um, have much of a, of a conversation with whoever it was on the other line. He was more or less receiving um, the message and just kind of responding with uh-huhs and okays. And he sat down and watched the movie, um, continue watching the movie series with us. And um, at around 11 or 12 o'clock, he put us all to bed and went to pick my mom up um, from work. So the next day, Saturday, my siblings and I were up and about, and I found it a little unusual because my parents were in the room for uh, quite some time, but I didn't really think much of it. So around lunchtime, my siblings and I were in the playroom right next door to the kitchen, and I hear my parents' room door open, and I hear them walking down the stairs, and they walk past the playroom. And I took a glance up, and I see my dad kind of trailing behind my mom. And I look over at my mom, and I see her lips had a little bruising and blood on it. Um, but I didn't think much of it. It just kind of went over my head. And so we were called um, over to the kitchen table to have our meal. We're eating our meal. My dad's at the kitchen table with us. But my mom kind of kept her distance and um, just hung out over at the kitchen, scarfing down her meal. And before we knew it, I was told to clean up after my siblings, and I watched my dad escort my mom back into the room. So at this point, hours and hours go, go by, um, and my parents were still in the room, and it was the afternoon and the evening. It wasn't until I answered a phone call from my mom's work asking where she was and why she didn't show up, I mean, it wasn't until then when I realized something was going on here. So later I learned that that phone call that my dad had received the Friday night before was from a woman at my mom's work um, who we knew they didn't get along at work. She'd talked about this person before. And this woman called my dad accusing my mom of cheating on him, which was entirely not true. But my dad's a jealous guy, and he took this information and without hesitation or question, he acted on it. The next day was Sunday, and everything was still the same. They were still in the room. So it was clear to me at this point what was happening. So throughout the day, I kind of pace around my parents' room, and then I go back to hanging out with my siblings and just kind of pretending I didn't know what was going on as if I was trying to protect them. The times that I walk over to my parents' room, I'd put my ears on the door. I could hear the bickering. I can hear the yelling. I can hear my dad in Vietnamese screaming, you fucking whore. Just tell me the truth. You did it, I know. 
And I can hear her saying, that's a lie, and you know that. That's a lie. Other times, with my ears on the door, I can hear the impact of his fist to her face. And I can hear her fragile 90 pound, four foot 11 body being thrown from the bed to the ground or against the wall. I can hear her begging, stop. What, what's gonna happen to the kids if something happens to me, you need to stop. So throughout the day, I just sat by the door with my ears on the door. And the moments when there was actual silence terrified me because it felt like every second of silence, she was a second closer to death. All of a sudden, the door opened, and I look up, and it's my dad. He didn't even question as to why I was sitting there, but instead he just kind of flagged me to come into the room. And so I was a little confused, but I, I stood up and I jumped at the opportunity to come into this room to see my mom and to see what's happening. And I walk into this room that was just instantly cold. It was dark. The lights were off. The curtains were down, but there was just enough sheerness um, to allow a little bit of daylight to break through the curtains. And in the daylight, you can kind of see the speckle of dust kind of floating around. And so I look down at the carpet, and I can see speckle of blood on the ground. And I can see the contents of my mom's purse just scattered. And over to my right was her dresser. And on the dresser were little framed pictures of my siblings and I. And I look up, and there's just huge mirror. And the moment that I looked into the mirror, I can see a reflection of just this woman that I did not even recognize. I can see her lips were swollen and cut and bruised, and I can see her eyes were black and blue, and there's a little bit of yellow, maybe from bruises that were healing from days before. And I can see that she was wearing this oversized shirt that was kind of torn from the shoulder. And so I looked over, and I looked over at her, and I can see that she's sitting on the bed with a blanket over her legs as though she was sitting crisscross. And her arms were scratched, and her hair was messy. And that moment, I felt the most rage I've ever felt in my entire life. I felt like I could dig my bare hands into my dad's skin and just tear him into pieces. And I felt heat coming up my neck and through my face, and I felt my eyes welling up. But before I can even react or, or say anything, my dad grabs my arm, and in Vietnamese, he says, sit down and read these for me. And I look over at my mom, and she smiles sweetly at me, and she goes, go ahead, just translate for him. It's okay. There's nothing there anyways. So I sit down, and he hands me the first thing. And then the first thing was a business card. And he says, what is this? And I reach him, it's a chiropractor. And he's like, okay, well, what's in the back? And I'm like, it's an appointment, date, and time. It's, I think it's for you, Dad. So he takes it and kind of flips it in front of me, and he hands me another thing, and it's a bank note. And then the next thing is the doctor's note, and I'm here just literally translating word for word any piece or item that's in her purse that has writing on it. And keep in mind, I was eight years old, 
And half this shit I did not even fucking understand, okay? So I'm just sitting there making shit up, trying to sound all professional, just hoping that he wouldn't catch that I, I don't even know half the things I'm translating. And I'm praying to God at the same time that I wouldn't find anything that wouldn't incriminate my mom. And then I, I leave. And so the next day was Monday, and I had to go to school. And I'm sitting in my second grade class, and instead of thinking about recess and painting and all that fun stuff, I'm zoning out and thinking about what I saw the day before and hoping that I wouldn't be called to the principal's office just to be told that I have a dead mother at home. And so I get home from school, and shit is still the same. She's still in the bedroom, and I'm pissed. So I'm running around, and I'm looking for my grandma and uncle, who were in and out of the house throughout the day, just pretending they did not know what was going on. And I beg them to stop him, but they just tell me to go to my room. But instead, I ran to a Vietnamese neighbor's house, in the housing development that we lived in and I knocked on the door and I'm crying and I'm huffing and puffing and I'm like please come help and once again she just shoes me to go back home so I go back home and the next day the last day he finally let her out she had lost her job from not showing up and throughout the next few years she goes from one job to the other due to similar reasons relating to my dad's jealousy so fast forward eight years later. Now I'm 16 year old and I'm in high school, living under my dad's seriously ridiculous rules. Like, I shit you not, no friends until I'm 18, and um, no boyfriends until marriage, whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> so that said, I get caught hanging out at my boyfriend's house. And I get dragged home, and we're in the driveway, and I knew I was in for it. So I hop out the car, and I book it into my room, and I close and lock the door, and I turn off the lights and jump under my covers as, as though it's like an invisibility cloak or something. And not, in a matter of seconds, like my dad was on the other side jiggling the door open with a freaking screwdriver, and he breaks in, busts over to my bed, whips the blanket open, and he holds the screwdriver of me, and he takes a heavy end, and he's just taking it to my head, and to my face, and to my body, and at this point, I'm flailing around. I'm grabbing everything I can to cover myself up. I'm grabbing my blanket. I'm grabbing my pillows. I'm grabbing my stuffed animals. I'm on the floor. I'm crawling from one corner to the other. I'm back on the bed. I'm completely dis-fucking-bobulated. I, I have no idea where I'm at in the room, but I somehow managed to run out and I hear my dad screaming, you're a fucking whore, you're tainted, you're used, you're no good. But I book it, I run out, and I can see my siblings right by the sliding glass door holding it wide open. And as I'm going for the door, I can feel a handful of my hair grabbed and yanked with just enough momentum for me to land back on the ground and take a couple more blows, but I feel my sister's arm grab onto mine and she yanks me up and she screams, run, towel, run, so I fucking run. I get out the door, I weave through cars, I don't know how many cars we had in the driveway and I jump through bushes that I didn't even know existed and I run up two flights of stairs and I knocked on my neighbor's door. And that night I woke up 
in a hospital bed with a concussion and I see my mom and a police officer sitting at the end of the bed. And he comes over and he shakes my hands. He starts to ask me questions to get a police report. And as he's writing my answers down, I see on his pad of paper, there's a white piece of paper with kind of like an outline of a human body on it. I can see X's on that human body. And I realize that those X marked the spots of the injuries that I've sustained. And so he leaves. And there's an awkward silence between my mom and I. We just kind of sat there for a second. And then she looks up at me and she goes, are you happy now? He's in jail. What the fuck? (laughs) So he goes to jail for one night. And for the next couple months, he has to take some parenting classes. And he came home with homework and where I had to once again awkwardly translate and it's and when I say awkward I mean awkward like what would you do if your child disobey you like a would you beat the shit out of them like I'm paraphrasing but like things like that where I had to translate and after that there was a noticeable change in who he was after that whole entire incident he in situations where he would be abusive or hurtful who would actually make it a point to get up and leave to take a deep breath and to blow off steam or something but we've never even talked about it we've never had a chance to hear an apology or just have heart to heart so i think about it i think about it all the time and i think about my mom and i think about how she felt like she couldn't run this 27 year old woman who had four kids and no resources And I think about that eight-year-old girl who kind of watched her sit still. And eight years later, she would run for her own life. Thank you. That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.